The text comes from the opening verses of Mark 6. He went away from there and comes to his hometown and his disciples follow him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue and many who were hearing him were astonished saying, where did this one get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Jude and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were taking offense at him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The gospel is not boring. Call it lunacy, but it is definitely not boring. The Creator created the human race in his own image. That human race proceeded to rebel against its own Creator. But instead of wiping them out, the Creator enters into the world and enters into human history. The one through whom all things were made joined the human race. He did it in order to restore all things from within the world, from within human history. It became an inside job. The Son of God took to himself our human nature and made it his own. He assumed to himself our human frailties and weaknesses and even mortality, except without sin. Theologically, we call this his state of humiliation. He did not make full and constant use of his divine power. He was found in fashion as a man. People encountered him as a man, as only a man. They did not say, here comes God. As man, Jesus went through the ordinary stages of human development. An infant, a toddler, a little boy, a teenager, a young adult. Jesus grew up in Nazareth as a normal Jewish boy. He probably played kick the can with the other boys. Nazareth was a small agricultural town about 15 miles west of the Sea of Galilee. Archaeologists have dug it up. They estimate that at the time of Jesus, it had about 400 people. Jesus grew up in a town of about 400 people. A small town like that, as you know, everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows everybody's business. And the people of Nazareth knew Jesus very well. They knew all about Jesus, or so they thought. At the age of about 30, Jesus left Nazareth and went down to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Here's where Mark picks up the grand narrative. After his baptism, he was driven into the wilderness to be tested by Satan. Then after John was arrested, Jesus returned to the Galilee area to begin his public ministry. He proclaimed the kingdom of God. He taught. He called disciples. He healed many who were sick with various diseases. He expelled unclean spirits. He taught with authority. He even calmed the storm. And he went to Gentile areas because Israel's Messiah is also for Gentiles. And crowds followed him everywhere. Now in Mark 6, Jesus came to his hometown, Nazareth. One Sabbath, he taught in the synagogue and many were astonished at his wisdom and mighty deeds. And they said, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and Jude and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? 
We grew up with this man. We know all about this man, or so they thought. And they rejected that he was anything special or unique. Mark records that they were taking offense at him. They were scandalized at him. Fortunately, Jesus did not stop there and conclude, I'm a failure, my mission is a failure, this ain't working, time to get another line of work. No, Jesus continued with his mission. He went about the other villages, teaching and healing, driving out demons. He was here to inaugurate the eschatological saving reign of God his Father. And ultimately, Jesus' mission led him to Jerusalem. And there, this one who did mighty deeds in his public ministry, this one who calmed the storm, allowed himself to be arrested and tried and put to death by public crucifixion. There, the Messiah, the eschatological king, God's son in the flesh, suffered the shame and ridicule and agony and rejection of the people in Jerusalem. The one who saved others refused to save himself. Thanks be to God that Jesus fulfilled his mission even after Nazareth's rejection. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to suffer and die for many, including his despisers, including those who took offense at him, including even his own natural family, people like James and Jude. Then on the third day, God his Father raised him bodily from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father, ruling over all things on behalf of his church. He is over all things. He is no longer mortal or perishable. His name is above every name. We call it theologically his state of exaltation. This same Jesus is now exalted Lord over all. Things are different now. Yet in a different sense, things are not all that different. Familiarity breeds contempt. In 27 AD, the people of Nazareth were taking offense at Jesus. And Mark adds that Jesus marveled in amazement because of their unbelief. His own, town, own hometown rejected the Messiah and the kingdom of God that he was bringing to them. And we too marvel at unbelief. Why would anyone not want to gladly receive the kingdom of God and the wonderful gifts that Jesus Christ brings to sinners? Why would people say no to the kingdom of God, no to the forgiveness of sins, no to God's favor and mercy, no to eternal life and fellowship with their own creator? Why would people do that? I don't get it. The inexplicable weirdness of unbelief. But then again, Maybe it's not that hard to understand. Jesus is the Lord over all, and Christianity has been act active in North America for almost 400 years now. There are churches everywhere, it seems. Christian TV shows and channels, free Bibles in your hotel room, even Time and Newsweek cover stories about Jesus. Americans will have no excuse on Judgment Day. And yet, what do you see? The pure gospel is routinely distorted, twisted, mocked, ridiculed, or simply ignored. Just take a look at the Christianity section of Barnes & Noble. 
Biblical scholars distort the word of God in countless ways. And what about American Christianity? A lot of churches and preachers revise the word of God. They deny or distort the gospel in all kinds of obvious and not so obvious ways. A lot of Americans just think the biblical gospel is boring. Even Lutherans, even Missouri Synod Lutherans, less than 35% of our own people go to church. So many Lutherans are biblically illiterate. They don't love the, go the gospel with their whole mind and heart and soul. They're not really interested in exploring the height and depth and width and breadth of the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, God's own son. What about us at Concordia Seminary? So often that description fits us too, even professors and students. Familiarity breeds contempt, if not contempt, then apathy and indifference or excessive busyness. But thanks be to God that the Son of Man did not wait until the world gave him the okay to save the world. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many, even in spite of hostility and indifference and in apathy. And this crucified and exalted Jesus of Nazareth now gives you the kingdom of God, where there is eternal life and fellowship with his Father. He makes you his brothers and sisters with God his Father as your heavenly Father. And he promises you his Holy Spirit to open up your hearts and minds to the wonders of his blessed word and work. Every day, Jesus Christ can change apathy and rejection into love for his word and for his work. After all, his brothers James and Jude became leaders in the early church and even wrote two of the New Testament letters. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not boring. Oh, what wisdom has been given to him. Oh, what mighty works are done by his hands. Lord Jesus Christ, increase in us true love for your word and work and move us to bring the name of Jesus to others, even those who may be indifferent or hostile. Amen.